Right. So if you're joining us for the first time, uh, well, this morning, then that's the first time you saw that video. And it says, habits, small disciplines, big results. All right. We can watch the video again. And no, I'm joking. Lisa will play it. Um, but that's basically the series that we're busy with this, well, for the last four weeks and then this week and then next week, Francois ending it for us. Um, but we are doing church a little bit differently this morning. So normally by this time, you would have Johan come up and he would say, let's stand and let's going to worship God through music. But we're going to start with the Word of God this morning and then we're going to flow over into worshiping God through song. Um, but our sermon series on habits is all about that small disciplines that ultimately cultivates big results. Okay, whom of you are serious gymmers? Um, you get people who go to the gym and then you go get people who go to a cult, I mean to a CrossFit box. Um, anyone that goes to a CrossFit box, Johan? All right, small disciplines, big results, correct? Now, uh, there's this story about a sea captain um, somewhere in the 1600s. Um, and he obviously had his crew on board, and they were heading across the ocean. Can't remember from where to where, but they were carrying their cargo, whether it was spices or goods or rum or whatever it was. But they were carrying this cargo in the ship from one destination to another. But then this sea captain on this journey while they're at sea, and the weather looks like today, it's a beautiful sunny day, the sea captain would let the crew scrub the deck. Um, then they would make sure that all the knots are tied correctly. Then he would get them to loosen the knots and retie the knots. They would um, raise the sails, lower the sails. And it's always like, what are we doing? Um, we are doing the, all of these things, but it's not necessary. We just tied the knot. Okay, but untie the knot. Tie it again. And all of this leads up to a moment where a storm arose on the ocean. And now when the storm arises... There's thunder and lightning and a lot of different movement. And whatever seemed to be normal now isn't that normal anymore, where you could visibly see the person at the other end of the ship. Now there's fog, so you can't see the person that clearly. The noise of the ocean around you, the noise of the weather above you, silences the voices that might want to give you instruction. But because they have practiced tying the knots, raising the sails, lowering the sails, when the storm hit, it was a second nature. They weren't, no one had to tell them what to do. They just had to practice or put in practice what they have been disciplined through. Does that make sense? And in the same way, when it comes to our Christianity, there are certain habits that you and I practice. And sometimes they might feel a bit mundane. Sometimes you might feel like, um, I'm just really, really tired this morning. I had a really busy week. So I'm not going to go to church on Sunday. And what is one Sunday if I miss it? And we're not um, abdicating that you can't ever miss a Sunday. It's when you miss two. Okay, that's when we start to phone you. All right. So, so what, what's the big deal of me missing a Sunday? And if, um, if you remember way back, I think Marina's did it in the morning service as well, with the, the set of dominoes. Did he do that? Where if, if you take one out, then that whole collapse won't happen. If you take one out of the equation, you lose the momentum. And there are certain things that we want to build into our lives by practicing certain habits. Now, when we think about our Christianity, 
what is the goal? In this church, you are allowed to raise your hand. You are allowed to speak. Um, you are allowed to disagree if you are open to being publicly rebuked. Um, I'm joking. Okay. Uh, but you are allowed to participate. But what is the goal of Christianity? There's this beautiful phrase that says the glory of God. The goal of our Christian faith is the glory of God. So the first part is the glory of God inside of every single one of us, that God has an agenda for your life, that you will become more and more like Christ. The Bible says that there is a day when Jesus will return, and He's coming back for His bride, but He gives a description of this bride. This bride will be a pure bride. She, will be, we have made she would have been made perfect. So there is this agenda of God over your life to make you and form you in the image of God. So the glory of God abiding in you and me. But then the glory of God unto the world. That God has this agenda that He is busy establishing His kingdom. And He wants His glory to go into all of creation, into every single nation, language, people group. And we get to participate in all of that. So first we get to participate in us becoming more like Jesus. But then we get to participate in the glory of God going into the nations. And for all of that, we have these disciplines that we practice, that we make part of our second nature, so that when the storms come, when there's an uprising, when there's turmoil in our lives, we get to step in to what we have practiced so that we're not caught off guard. So this morning, we are speaking about prayer and fasting. Okay, it's a good Sunday to be in church, all right? Whom of you can pray more? Even the best prayer warriors, 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 yeah, you get both, right? You get a prayer warrior and a prayer warrior. The one worries and the other one warfares, okay? So, but even the best prayer warfarers would raise their hand to say, yeah, I can pray more, because something happens when you taste a life of prayer. Something inside of you gets activated and says, I want more of this. So the goal of the message this morning is not to say, hey guys, you're not praying enough and you need to pray more. Um, in a sense, the message this morning is, uh, it's, a, it's a call to myself that what I want to share this morning is what I'm also preaching to myself, that there's a call towards a greater life of prayer that God is inviting us into. Now, if you read your Bible, you'll see that there's the story about um, Jesus and his disciples, right? So th there's like these first four books in the, the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they have these stories about Jesus who calls 12 disciples, and then many others start to follow, and they get to witness certain things around the life of Jesus. So Jesus makes the statement that says that the kingdom of God has come among you, and now the kingdom of God is being established within you. But not only did Jesus come and preach a message about a distant kingdom, but his whole life work was also about manifesting the kingdom of God physically. That there were, where there were sicknesses and diseases and illnesses, he brought about healing. Where there were dead people, they were raised to life. So Jesus did not just proclaim a message, but his life works also testified to the power of this different kingdom. 
So his disciples would now walk alongside him, and they would see all of these different miracles, these works that Jesus performed. And there's this place where the disciples have this opportunity, and they ask Jesus to teach them something. Now, there's many different things that you and I could maybe ask Jesus to teach us. I mean, there's the story in the Bible where Jesus um, sent them out to say, go and catch a fish, and then in the mouth of the fish you'll find money. Whom of you have financial needs? All right, whom of you recently bought a house? Or you have a house that you're still paying off? Did your payments increase over the last year? Yeah, that's nice. Okay, they didn't tell you that when you signed the mortgage 10 years ago. Um, so there's maybe financial need, and a part of you like, Jesus, if I could have the ability to catch fish who has money in their mouths, that would be quite a neat trick, all right? Or, uh, Jesus, if I could pray for sick people and they would always be healed, that would be quite a good thing. So they have this opportunity to ask Jesus for anything, and they ask him this, Lord, teach us to pray. That was the thing. So there was something that they saw on the life of Jesus, the way that he went about his life, that they saw that is what we want. Jesus, would you teach us to live a life like that? Would you teach us to pray? And then there's this whole exposition where he teaches them to pray the Lord's Prayer. And we're not going to go into that this morning. Paul writes uh, to the church in, where is it, Thessalonica, and he says to them, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. So do not ever stop praying. So it's not like you have your prayer time in the morning from 6 to 6.30, and then your life goes, and then tonight you have a prayer time again. No, your whole existence is prayer. As you breathe in, as you breathe out, so becomes your prayer life. Pray without ceasing. And in prayer, there's this simple invitation. Now, that you and I get to have a relationship with God the God of the universe who spoke and everything came into existence, you and I get to have a living relationship with this creator God. Now, those of you who are married or um, who are in a relationship, um, you are in a relationship getting married soon, correct? Okay. Now, we can't hide behind the joyous celebration of a marriage, but something is important for this relationship to go from an acquaintance to getting to know each other better, to a place where she would actually say yes when he asks her to marry her, to a marriage, and it's communication. There's a space of communication that gives birth to greater intimacy, where you and I get to commune with God through prayer, that you get to know God deeper, that you get to share in the heart of God, you get to share in the cares of God, you get to share in the concerns of God, but also Him in yours. That there's this space where God invites you to draw closer to Him, to draw nearer to Him, so that He can commune with you. And that's quite a significant thought. And I think for a lot of us, there's a, a barrier when it comes to relationship with God, where God is God and He is holy, and I am me, and large parts of my life are not fit for the presence of God, but in prayer, there's aspects of the truths of the gospel that gets to be cultivated in your heart, where Jesus says, no, I died for you so that you can have access to the innermost holy place to my throne room. 
yeah, Lord, that doesn't make sense. Let me teach you what it looks like in prayer, where he invites you to commune with you as a father does to his son. We, one of the global things that they say is an issue is fatherlessness. So it's not an Africa problem. We don't get to take ownership of all the problems in the world. Okay, we have load shedding. <laughs> in Europe, says they also have load shedding now. How dare they? They can't take what is ours. But there's this thing of fatherlessness where there's absent fathers, whether it's a physical absence or an emotional absence in, in family structures, and then that will cause you to have a, a diminished approach to God as your father. But in prayer, you get to commune with God as your father. He says, let me teach you my ways. Let me teach you my heart. Let me speak to you as a loving father speaks to a son whom he adores. And ladies, that includes you as well. So there's this invitation to intimacy. There's this invitation to a deeper relationship with God. But then there's also this invitation to mission. Not only does God want you to feel good about you, yourself, and about Him, but there's this invitation where God calls us to partner with Him for the very things that He is busy doing in the world. Uh, at the end of 2019, we had a, uh, a campus summit. So, Every Nation Campus is our campus ministry globally, and every year we have a staff summit, which happens somewhere where there's a beach. Um, they don't want to move it to Joburg. I don't know why. Um, but so we go to the beach, and then we have a good time of impartation and refreshing and relationship. But there was a guy from the, who leads the Durban Church, and he shared on prayer. But the stories that he shared um, from his own life and from some of the stuff in their congregation, it activated something in my heart to say, that speaks to my spirit. You know that when you're, you are born again, your spirit becomes alive? And deep calls out to deep, Scripture says, that there's parts of your being that longs for God. You have a flesh. Some of you have a flesh. If you don't, please do come and speak to us. We would love to pray with you. All right? But your flesh is also very prevalent. It's here. It exists. And your flesh also wants the things of the flesh. And sometimes our flesh is very strong. But if you are born again, you have a spirit man who longs for the deep things of God even beyond your understanding, where you might not think it, but that spirit being inside of you is longing for the deep things of God. And deep calls out to deep. And every now and then, you would hear glimpses of this deepness somewhere. It's like, oh, I like that. Oh, I love what I'm hearing here. And something that this um, guy shared on prayer, something inside of me was immediately drawn to it. It's like, I want that. So I went to him afterwards, and I asked him, where do you start? Now, obviously, a good answer would be, no, read your Bible, get on your knees, close the door, and pray. Um, but he gave me a bit more of a practical answer. Um, and he gave me a book. He says, um, go and read this book. And the name of the book is Dirty Glory by Pete Gregg. Now, if you don't know who Pete Gregg is, he was one of the founders of the 24-7 prayer movement. Um, so I listened. I do audiobooks. So I listened to the audiobook, and it blew my mind. My mind. So I shared it with our team, and they were reading it, and um, it, it was so significant in the sense that um, after we've gone through this book as a team, then COVID hit, and something birthed in us with regards to prayer 
that we started praying just before COVID hit so that we can continue to pray throughout all of COVID. But there were stories in this book that, again, speaks to your spirit. And there were stories of God's miraculous provision where people would be praying into a mission that they would need to go on. And then money would miraculously appear under their kitchen sink. I've, t- um, I've looked in my kitchen, underneath my kitchen sink many a time, um, but still no money yet. Um, like these stories, and they elaborate in this book just a, um, a collaboration of stories of God moving through prayer. Some of these stories would be of deep restoration taking place, whether it's family relationships, marriages, lost people getting saved. Um, areas being broken open where there's maybe a mass drug abuse or prostitution problem where people would start to pray and God would move in those areas. And there are certain injustices in the world, and we need to understand that the injustices in the world are a concern to God because the foundation of His throne is righteousness and justice. So God is always about working righteousness and justice in the world and in our own lives. But then through prayer, we get to participate in the areas where God wants to bring about justice, where there's an injustice. And all of these stories stirred something in my heart, and it made me come to this conclusion. If that type of Christianity is possible, I cannot settle for anything less. If that type of relationship with God is possible, I can't settle for anything less. And it stirred something in my heart to pursue God more and more. And like I said, I'm not sharing this morning from a place where I've written the book and you're going to go and read my stories. No, I'm still longing that God would pull me deeper into this life of prayer. So, um, and I find myself here as well, especially in times when there's a lot of turmoil in our nation, but not just our nation. Remember, South Africa doesn't have prerogative over things that go wrong. Globally, there's a lot of tensions. There's a lot of stuff that is not necessarily going the way we think it should go. Um, And sometimes I find my heart at a place where I'm like, Jesus, is this all worth it? What if Jesus isn't real? And we can find our own Christian life sometimes in a place where your Christianity becomes a ritual where, yes, you read your Bible and you go to church and you do the things that good Christians do. Your life is not a mess and you're not sleeping around and you're not getting drunk every weekend. But your life doesn't necessarily look that different than your neighbor's. We are in the race of life. Go to work, come home, sit in traffic, make food, go to bed, feel some tired, and the next morning we go again. And hopefully every now and then I get to have a weekend where I get to go away and enjoy a little bit of the fruit of my labor so that I can go back to work and just rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. And if that is all that there is to Christianity, it's a very mundane thing. But it's not. And the invitation to a life of prayer is an invitation to the more that is available in our faith. I'm going to go into a passage of Scripture, and I'm going to pray before we go there. And it's a little bit of an unconventional passage. There's, there's many other passages that speak about prayer, but hopefully at the end of this morning you'll see why. Let's pray. Now, Father God, this morning we want to come and with deep humility bring our hearts before you. And I think, Lord, we can all acknowledge that 
when it comes to the area of prayer, there's still so much room for you to grow our hearts. There's still so much space for you to deposit deeper things into our souls. There's still so much more, Lord, that we get to experience with you. There's still so much more that you long to show us. None of us, Lord, this morning would, would be arrogant to say that we've arrived and we have received all that there is when it comes to our faith. So we bring our hearts to you this morning, Lord, and we ask that you would bring about an impartation and a deposit of your kingdom into our lives this morning. Come and mold our hearts, Lord, and even where that question, that desire that the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray, teach us to live a life of prayer as you model Jesus. Even where that question isn't alive right now, would you come and awaken it? We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Mark 9, 14 to 29. Mark 9, 14 to 29. You are welcome to go to your Bible on your Bible Bible or your app Bible. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Um, we, we moved. Oh, I think I forgot my whole introduction with my family. Can we quickly go back there? Marinus gave me an instruction. He said, you have to bring pictures. Um, you can just show the, the, the second slide, Lisa. Don't worry about the video. Look at that. Ah, oh, wait. So I would be at home, and I would just sit, and I could watch him for hours. So we're going to do that for the next 15 minutes. <laughs> ah. So that is Ivan. Um, so his name is spelled E-V-A-N, but it's Evan for the Afrikaners, but it's Evan for the English people, okay? Not Ewan and not Evan. Um, but uh, he was born last week Wednesday, and uh, he came a bit early, so we, were, we also moved last week Saturday, and he was supposed to wait, um, but he didn't. So we are still busy moving in a sense, um, yeah, but all is going well. Um, Riet is doing really well. She's healthy. Um, he's healthy, he needs to drink a lot, um, but we are really, really thankful. And that was like a, a six and a half year prayer journey for us. Um, I shared with my wife, uh, when was it? Uh, maybe just after he was born or before he was born. But we, my wife's water broke at 36 weeks. So we went to the gynae the morning, and then everything was great, and she had a really, really good pregnancy. And then that evening, her water broke, and we're like, I almost said a bad word in church. So, the, oh, what do we do now? Uh, so, and, um, but then they took him in to, uh, to the midwives the Friday, and they admitted her to the hospital on Friday morning. So she was then in hospital. They were just monitoring her vitals, his vitals, and everything was good, but the gynae wanted to keep him in till 37 weeks. But um, just the backlog of our waiting season for Ivan to come, um, one of the great words that God spoke to us is that it's not about us. There's a specific calling on his life, and the timing of his birth is because of God's plan. So there's a specific um, generation. There's a voice unto a specific generation that is on his life. So it's not about us, and the waiting is not about us. It's about the purposes of God. And um, so everything in, the, in her pregnancy was going really well. So we were so thankful for what God has done up until then. But then when her water broke, um, we sent out just a, a communication to some people about just, hey, this is what happened, pray with us. And, and I said to Riet, 
we wouldn't have started a prayer chain if her water didn't break at 36 weeks. Um, and who knows, maybe in heaven one day we'll sit around the throne of heaven and God will say to us, hey, do you know that there was a spiritual agenda around his birth as well? And, and, and you needed to pray. And the only way for me to cause you to pray was to do this. Uh, we don't know. But we found great comfort in just a lot of people praying with us. Uh, and now we get to hold him. Uh, so we are really thankful. All right, that was the introduction. Back to the scripture. So, so if I miss slides, you guys are welcome to raise your hand and say, hey, what about that slide? Okay, you can go back to it. So Mark 9, um, from verse 14. And when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeting him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? So now the scribes, and remember, they were the scribes and the Pharisees. So they weren't necessarily um, these great fans of Jesus or these great champions to the cause of Jesus. No, they were very much skeptics. And in a way, they were always looking for opportunities to downplay the ministry of Jesus because the message of Jesus was very opposite what most of them taught. So now they are having this dispute with the disciples. Then one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And wherever it seizes him, it throws him down, he foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. He answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Anyone can resonate with that? Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him, and he became as one dead, so that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? So he said to him, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. This kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. So in this story, there are the scribes who are obviously um, very much um, enlightened or uh, delighted by the fact that there was something in this message of Jesus, the kingdom that is coming, that didn't work out. So the people bring this boy to the disciples, and the disciples pray, and then nothing happens. Like, ah, oh, you see, it was a gimmick. It didn't really work. This Jesus fad is going to be over quite soon. And now they're having this discussion. Like, oh, you guys aren't really that great, are you? No. And then there's this father 
who has a very desperate need. Now, if you and I were to place ourselves in that father's position where there's this great need and you have this boy from childhood who is being taken over by a, a spirit, and then the spirit would throw the child into the fire or into the water with the intent to obviously cause great harm and ultimately bring about death, then there would be this desperation in you. Now, imagine the disappointment where you start to hear of these stories of Jesus and the miracles that take place because the rumors were spreading, even though um, there was the, was it the blind man that Jesus said to him, go and tell no one. And what did he do? And he went and told everyone. All right. Um, so the rumors of the ministry of Christ were starting to grow, and now people started to hear, like, if there's hope that my son can be healed, I want to take hold of that hope. And they bring him to the disciples, and they pray, but then nothing happens. The disappointment in the Father. And then you have the disciples, where they have been sent out, and Jesus has given them authority, and they've seen already great things. Um, in Mark chapter 9, they've just come down from the Mount of Transfiguration where they had these incredible encounters with some of the Old Testament prophets. And now they have this moment and they cannot do it. Imagine their own disappointment. Imagine their, their own unbelief, their own doubt in their own faith. And then Jesus enters into the story. And um, he almost just speaks right at the scribes. Like, what are you discussing with them? What are you trying to stir? What's this murmuring that I'm hearing? And then the father brings his son, and he, and he makes this, this um, appeal to Jesus. He said, Jesus, if you can do something, won't you do it? If you can do something, won't you do it? If you could have compassion on us, won't you do it? And then Jesus responds and says, for those who believe, all things are possible. And there's an incredible moment here where the... The, the presence of faith is brought into the spotlight, where Jesus says it's not, a, it's not a matter of ability. It's not a matter of compassion or care. It's not that does Jesus care enough or is Jesus able. There's the, the, the concept of faith. For those who believe, for those who have faith, all things are possible. But then Jesus makes this statement, and when you read it, it seems like he's speaking to the Father, but um, in a sense, he's almost addressing the scribes more, but then we'll, we'll look at it quickly as he speaks to the disciples as well. And he answered and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. I said to Marinas, like, um, let's say we have our interns, and we, we send them out to go and do ministry and take risks. And go and pray, and they come back. It's like, man, we prayed for people today, but none of them get healed. And we're like, well done for stepping out. Well done for trying. I mean, just keep going, and you'll grow your faith, and your confidence will grow. Come on, high five for Jesus. Remember, if you fail, you fall forward. Okay, so don't fall backwards. Just keep on failing forward, and you'll get there. But here Jesus steps in, and the, the guy says, I brought him to, his, to your disciples, but he couldn't, they couldn't heal him. And Jesus responds and says, you faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. It's like, okay, that seems a little bit harsh. Um, now, the theologians dispute to whom that was addressed. But I'm thinking that Jesus makes this statement, the disciples hear it, and it's like, yeah, we don't have enough faith. A faithless generation. And there's this call 
um, in this whole passage where Jesus is addressing a need that the Father brings about because there is an agenda of a different spirit at work just in this boy's life, which is opposite to the agenda of the kingdom of God. But now Jesus knows that his time on earth is coming to an end. His time where he is able to do the ministry is coming to an end, and this work has to be entrusted to his disciples. It has to be entrusted to those who carry his name. But now people bring people to be healed, and then there's no change. Nothing happens. And um, Jesus didn't have a problem with rebuking his disciples. When he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he comes back, and they all sleep, it's like, can't you even stay awake one hour to pray with me? So remember, Jesus was fully human, sharing in all of our emotions. We didn't come up with emotions, by the way. It's not like God created us emotionless, and then we decided, hey, let's create laughter. No, we were formed in the image of God. And with all of those emotions, Jesus also interacts with his disciples, with the world that is lost and broken, but also with disappointment, where he entrusts something, but they don't get it yet. They don't grasp the fullness of it yet. And he says to them, you faithless generation, how long must I bear with you, knowing the urgency of his time on earth coming to an end? And he invites them closer and says, this type will come out only by prayer and fasting. Now, we mentioned earlier that in prayer, there's this great invitation for us to have intimacy and friendship with God. But in prayer, God is calling us also into a mission. See, when it comes to our relationship with God, when it comes to our faith, there are very real things at stake. Children who are possessed by evil spirits are thrown into the fire and into the water, and that manifests in different ways in the world today. It might not be a physical um, thrown into the fire, but there are evil spirits. The, the God of this world is working, and He has an agenda that is opposite the agenda of the kingdom, and with it, He is taking people with Him. The Bible says that the devil comes to steal, kill, and to destroy that wasn't just a statement that's like, but don't worry, I've come to give life. No, that is a very real statement. The enemy has a very real agenda, and with it, he is destroying marriages. He is destroying people's lives, whether it's through addiction or drug abuse or alcohol abuse or um, whatever it might be. But there are very real agendas that the enemy is using to take people's lives captive and ultimately take them into internal damnation. That is his agenda. And we can't belittle that agenda because that is the very reason Jesus came, so that we can be set free, so that we can rise up victorious over the schemes of the enemy. But there is an authority that Jesus is calling his disciples into to say, this is what you need to walk in so that my kingdom will be established, so that the kingdom of darkness will not prevail. There is a consequence to you and I not stepping out in faith. And that is why Jesus brings a rebuke. This is not just about you and me having a holy huddle so that we can sing good songs and go back to our lives and feel better because at least we have hope. No, there are people around us who are being thrown into the fire, and unless we as the church step up in our authority, then that will continue to happen because this task has been entrusted to us. When it comes to, to prayer, and the band can come up so long. 
when it comes to prayer, there's, um, there's four things I want us to listen to with an open heart. The one is that prayerlessness, all right, so you get a life of prayer and prayerlessness. I don't know if that's a real word. Any English people can either confirm or deny um, prayerlessness. Prayerlessness is, it exposes that you have a diminished view of God. Prayerlessness exposes that we have a diminished view of God. You see God lesser than He really is. The Bible says that the angels um, come alongside the throne of God and they cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And they do that from eternity beginning into eternity past. Past and ending. You get the picture. Beginning to end. They keep singing and declaring, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The infinite wisdom that is revealed from God. The infinite beauty that is revealed from God. The infinite glory that is revealed from God. Every time they circle the throne, there is an infinite amount of revelation of who God is. And they get to declare, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. We never get to stop singing His praises. But there can be a space where you and I are born again, and you're a Christian, but you've arrived at a revelation of who God is, and you've made a decision that that is enough. That I do not need to seek Him more. What I know about God is enough for the things that I want to accomplish with my life. Even though there's this infinite amount of treasure still for you and I to discover about who God is, we've come to a position where we said, I've discovered enough, and He is not worth pursuing more. I know it sounds harsh, but it's okay for us to also come to terms with where we might be spiritually, where what I know about Jesus is sufficient for me now. Prayerlessness exposes that. Prayerlessness also exposes where we have an exalted view of ourselves, where we think we can do things in our own strength, where we think that we do not need God. We've got this. I can do this. My mind is still working. I've got strength in my bones, and I can do these things that I've now tasked myself to do. I don't really need God. It might, it might be something... Um, so every day and so something that you're so used to, like the way that you take care of your children, the way that you provide for your family, the way that you do your work, and we fall into this trap of um, wrong belief that we can do anything that has eternal significance apart from the power of God. We can do nothing. You and I can be very busy, but it does not mean that you and I are actually reaping, um, storing up for ourselves any eternal reward, and your life can be extremely busy, but you and I can do nothing of eternal significance apart from the power of God, and it draws us to a place of surrender and humility to acknowledge that God is God, I am not. Lord Jesus, if you were to take your hand off of my life right now, I would not be able to breathe. If you were to take your grace off of my life, then no amount of job security can really give me the things that I long for in my life. If you were to take your hand off of my life, if you were to remove your grace off of my life, 
then the full wrath of what I deserve because of my sinful past would come upon me. But for your hand over my life, Lord, I get to breathe and exist and have my being. I am dependent on God. Prayer is essential for us. Prayer, a life of prayer is essential for you. A life of prayer, a life devoted to seeking God in prayer is essential for you. Because in that place, God cultivates your true identity. You and I can sit in sermons and we can have a whole series on your true identity. Because the world teaches you that who you are, the truest thing about you, is what you do, where you live, and what you have, and what you don't have. But the gospel teaches now that the truest thing about you is what your creator says about you. And you can sit in a Sunday service, and we can have a great sermon about your truest identity, but only in that secret place where you allow the Father to speak to you as his son is that thing rooted in your soul. Prayer is essential for you and me to be sons of God. Prayer is that place where Jesus teaches you who he is. It, he teaches you his character, his nature, his goodness. And it's where his word starts to take root so that it can bear much fruit inside of you. It's where you learn to hear his voice. It's where he teaches you that you can trust him enough to obey him. Prayer is that place where faith is cultivated. And apart from faith, the Bible says it is impossible to please God. Jesus says to the Father, all things are possible to him who believes. Our faith is cultivated when we bring ourselves into a life of prayer and seeking God. And then a life of prayer is essential to the mission. And it has to be both, church. It has to be both. You see, prayer on this one side is an invitation to deep friendship and intimacy with God. If you don't have that, then your Christian faith will just be a repetition of um, religious activities. It won't be really much alive to you unless you have this place where you have a deep friendship, intimate relationship with God, then you will just be going through the motions. So prayer on the one side is an invitation to intimacy and friendship with God. But prayer on the other side is an invitation and a call for us as the church to stand up against the forces of darkness that is at work in the world today. There is an agenda of the enemy that is at work in the world today, and you can say, well, I can really see the enemy working in South Africa, so I'm going to go to Australia or New Zealand or Canada. He's working there as well. There is an agenda of the enemy, and you and I, as Christians, do not get to hide behind the walls of our homes and say, at least I am safe. Because God did not call us to a safe life. He called us to be ambassadors of His kingdom, to be carriers of His kingdom. So, prayer, a life of prayer is also this call to stand against the forces of darkness that is at work in the world today, and the Christian is called to both. It's not either or. You are called to a life of intimacy and friendship with God, and you are called to a life of mission. Intimacy and friendship with God will always take you to where God's heart is moving the most in the world that is lost and broken. And it's in those spaces where we get to see God come alive 
It's in those places where a life of deep devotion to God is the only thing that keeps you sane when your surroundings aren't changing. When you position yourself in a place where none of the works of man are able to bring about the change or the solution that we desperately need, we need the power of God to prevail in the earth today. And He invites us into this life of prayer. I want to end with this verse, Philippians 3 verse 12. Paul says, not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. How beautiful is that? To take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. When Jesus took hold of your life to pull you out of the clutches of darkness, bring you out of the pit of hell and establish you as a son alongside him, he took hold of you for your sake but it also took hold of you because there is a call of God on your life. And when we devote ourselves to a life of prayer, we get to come in agreement with that thing for which Christ Jesus took hold of us for. We haven't spoken about fasting this morning because that's too tough. We'll do it another time, not joking. Fasting comes alongside a life of prayer. Fasting is where you teach your flesh that he will not always get what he wants. When we abstain from certain things, because we're saying, Jesus, I need you more than I need food. And I will train myself for godliness. My flesh will not always get his way. And it's a place where we position ourselves to seek God. Now, the practical response this morning, and we're going to have a time of just waiting on God, All of us can pray more. All of us can pray more. And there's an invitation from God for you into a life of prayer. And we want to invite you to start praying with us. There's two platforms that, I mean, those of you are CrossFitters, it helps to have a training buddy, right, John? Someone that phones you and says, hey, where are you? Why didn't you come to the box today? We have two corporate prayer slots every week. Wednesday morning, 6 to 7 online. You can do it in bed. Or Sundays, 8 o'clock, and then evenings, 4 o'clock for the afternoon service. Come and join us in prayer. Even if you do not know how to pray, come so that you can learn how to pray. But this morning, the the good thing about the, the message of the gospel is that God meets you where you are at. That God comes first, um, the God became man in Jesus Christ to meet us in our place of desperation, hopelessness, and sinfulness. God meets us where we're at. We see in the life of Jesus, He meets the adulterous woman in her place of accusation where people are ready to throw stones. He meets her where she's at. When He calls the disciples, He meets Peter while He is busy doing what He is doing. So this morning, the, the, the call is not, hey, are you praying enough? Pray more. No, the call is, will you allow Jesus this morning to come and meet you where you are at, wherever that might be, and ask Him to come and birth something inside of you, a desire for more of Him.
friends, you and I cannot cultivate a spiritual desire for God in ourselves. We need the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God testifies of Jesus. And this morning, we're going to create some time just for you to wait on God and allow the Spirit of God to work and reveal God to you in a greater way. But will you ask Him? Will you invite Him to say, Holy Spirit, birth in me a greater desire for a life of prayer. Let's close our eyes. So I'm going to ask that we just stay in this space. Just you can keep your eyes closed. Um, not because we more holy, it helps to be less distracted. If there's any thoughts in your mind right now that is accusing you that you are not good enough, we silence the accuser in the name of Jesus right now. You do not need to entertain any accusation right now. If there's any thought that causes you to feel that you are not good enough, we get to rebuke that thought. We take it captive and we make that thought obedient to Christ. your words of affirmation, love, and adoration over your people. Come and speak to every heart. The love and the adoration of a father who loves intensely, who loves deeply, who loves completely. For some of you right now, God is confirming in your spirit that you are worthy. you are worth His best. For some of you, God is saying that He designed you the way that you are and sometimes you feel that the way you are is a hindrance to the spiritual things. Like you're not all emotional and airy-fairy. You're more of a practical person. Your mind works with logical things. And you sometimes feel that that is a barrier for you to have a deep, intimate relationship with God. And God is saying to you this morning, I made you that way. And I will meet you in the way that I have made you. You don't have to change. You don't have to try and be or do anything differently. Father, we ask this morning in Jesus' name that you would come and birth in us a greater desire 
longing for more of you. Holy Spirit, your word says that those who are led by the Spirit of God are called sons of God. And we ask, Holy Spirit, would you lead us into a deeper life of prayer? I thank you that you know where every single one of us are, whether we're at the starting blocks or whether we're somewhere in the middle. You know where we are, and that's okay. But we ask that you would come and lead us into a deeper life of prayer. And we ask, Lord, that you would meet us in those times that we buy out to be with you. Would you come and speak to us? I do want to create a moment before we continue just responding in song. For some of you, that very first prayer that you need to pray needs to be a prayer of surrender. Where maybe you've come to church for a long time, but it's been a ritual more than a relationship that you have, you have some of the attributes of a Christian because you read your Bible and you go to church and you try not to swear too much. But you know deep inside of you that that deep place of intimacy where deep cries out to deep isn't alive in you. But this morning you want to allow God to come and touch your life afresh and to bring about something new. If that's your one, just quickly raise your hand. before we pray. I'm going to ask that we pray a prayer together as a church so that those who raise their hands don't have to pray alone and we get to encourage them. I'm going to lead you in a very simple prayer because it's not the exact words that we use that unlocks the work of God. It's a spirit of humility where we bring ourselves before a creator God and we just acknowledge that we are desperately in need of Him. Let's just pray this together. Lord Jesus, this morning, I bring my life to You. All of it. Even the parts I'm ashamed about. Even the parts I struggle to let go. But I call on Your name. And You say, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord, be saved. You know my life. You know the saving that I need. And I put my faith in you. Today, I choose you as my God, my Lord, my Savior. And I ask, awaken my spirit. In Jesus' name, awaken my spirit and draw me closer to 